Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Happy Shabbat to one and all. It is party time uh, beginning this evening for the next eight days with uh, Yahweh, the really the uh, happiest of all of the Mikre uh, is Sukkah. Uh, it means to camp out. Uh, it's translated shelters or tents, sometimes booths. But it's all about camping out with uh, Yahweh. And this is the first of eight days of Sukkah. There are seven days celebration plus an eighth that uh, we will sukkah with Yahweh forever, those of us who are part of the covenant family. Oh, well, happy Shabbat to, uh, to uh, both uh, Dee and to, uh, to Kirk. I understand that things are, are doing well, except for the yard police and, uh, and Carmelia, and that uh, mm-hmm. Dee is uh, headed east or headed west out of uh, central Florida and will soon mm-hmm. be migrating uh, to Kentucky, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. My old Kentucky home. Well, <laughs> we, well, we do not finish tonight with regard to Suka. We will be able to finish next week. It's the uh, one um, Moed Mikre where we uh, actually have seven days. So uh, while this evening is the first of the seven days of Suka plus the eighth, uh, and this time next week, we will be celebrating the eighth day of um, just a bit of an introduction before we say about uh, camping out with him. This is actually the seventh of seven steps to God. It's actually Asia. There are really six uh, steps to uh, to Yahweh. With the first can be a threshold. Um, the third, we actually enter Yahweh's home. The fourth, we had to grow. The fifth, it is our responsibility uh, as members of God's family uh, to be about our Father's uh, business, call his people home. Uh, reconciliations is the uh, final uh, step, if you will, uh, in the sense that it's the last opportunity for Yehudim, 
to get their act together and resolve their differences with Yahweh. Uh, it is the day that Yahweh returns with Doe to near 6,000. leads us to Sukkah, uh, which is camping out. The thing that, that very few people recognize is that not only are these seven Moed Mikre all integrated and they're a unified path to God, the only means to salvation, the only means to reconciliation, the only means to life eternal, the only means to perfection. Uh, but this process actually takes us from uh, where we are in a world torn apart by religion and politics and estranged from God uh, directly to his home. And when you read the Torah, it, uh, it is all about coming full circle. Uh, the story begins, at least the story of our relationship with Yahweh, begins in the Gan Eden, Garden of Great Joy. It was a place where Adam and later Adam and Chawa had perfect uh, communication with Yahweh, uh, where they had no worries, no concerns. Uh, life was as good as it could possibly be. There was no religion. There was no politics. There were no conspiracies. There was no error. There was uh, nothing but uh, direct access to Yahweh and to a joyous life. And that is exactly what Sukkah represents. We are being brought back full circle to Ghani Dun. The reason there's so much about that place and what occurred there and Yahweh's interactions with Adam uh, in Ghani Dun is because God wants us to know what he's offering. If you don't like the conditions depicted in Eden, if you don't think that, um, that being without religion and being without politics, being without conspiracies, being without governments and police and militaries and, uh, and patriotism, if those things are important to you, then you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> For real. <laughs> understand that's what sukkah represents that's where we're going back to and it's just uh while eden was i'm sure a reasonably large uh place uh currently uh under the uh crystal blue waters of lake van in eastern turkey and while i'm sure it was beautiful uh and ample room to to roam around uh the fact that that the uh, renewal of the earth back to those conditions, it will begin with the land of Israel, which is much, much larger than Eden was. Uh, and then mm -hmm. from there, it's going to expand to the entire earth and ultimately to the entire universe. You know, we, we live in one, uh, around one of 400 billion stars and one of uh, several hundred billion galaxies. Uh, so you get some <laughs> scope of how big the universe is and ultimately that's going to be our garden and we will be expanded to seven dimensions so that we can enjoy it all you know, as we move from three dimensions to four we're automatically liberated in time and once we're liberated in time uh, and uh, get rid of our limitations of our physical bodies then the entire universe is ours to explore we can be uh, 90 
94 or 96, whatever the current dimensions are, it's constantly expanding, but we can be all the way across it in no time. And even once we get to where we want to go as energy, um, you might say, well, you can't move any faster than the speed of light. But on a photon of light, time simply exists. So while that might be the limitation in speed, since time doesn't move, uh, the duration that it takes to get from here to there is nothing. And so what do you care that you're limited to 186,000 miles per second if it takes no time to travel across the entire universe? So it's going to be a very, very big uh, tent that we're going to be given the opportunity to explore. (laughs) So this is the big picture. Uh, The other thing that is is exceedingly important is to understand how these Moed Mikre integrate with the benefits of the Bereth Covenant. Uh, Without the first four Mikre, the Bereth Covenant's benefits uh, cannot be delivered. But... Uh, you know, they are, first of all, eternal life, which is provided through Pesach Passover. It's the doorway to life. And then our perfection. Uh, Dode fulfilled both Pesach and Matzah. Uh, physical body uh, sacrificed uh, as the lamb, as the Zeroah, to fulfill Pesach. And then on Matzah, his soul carried our guilt, the guilt of every covenant member into Sheol and deposited there without our guilt, with it being um, taken to a place that where it can never be seen, we appear perfect in God's eyes. This resulted in Dode becoming Yahweh's firstborn, his Bakur on Bakurim. And it's plural because there will be many children of the covenant who follow on the same path. This enables Yahweh to enrich us and empower us, to emancipate us and enlighten us. Children, raising his children on Shabua. And as the beneficiary of those first four Mekre that were fulfilled by and for Dod, God, uh, we live to Ruah. As I've said so many times, uh, for the past 23 years, I have been in a constant Teruah mode, as have uh, many others in the Covenant family who are devoted to sharing what we learn um, with uh, Israel and with Goyim. Um, the primary message that we are delivering during Teruah is that Yahweh and his son, Dode, the Messiah, are returning on Kippurim. It is the day of reconciliations. It is a day to celebrate a reunion with Yahweh. The rabbis have it completely wrong. Uh, and it is the time that Dode will go to the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, which will be raised uh, and placed inside of a newly constructed um, house of God, a bereth of uh, And he will anoint it so that as uh, in compliance with the Torah, can bring this remnant of Yisrael into his family. And five days later, after Yahweh has restored the earth back to the conditions of Eden, then we celebrate Sukkah. So the invitation to the final party begins with 
this is from CARA 23, um, statement 33. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe for the purpose of saying. Um, sometimes we just read past Moshe's name, but um, I don't want to read past either one of these two names. First, if you look at Judaism, uh, there is no mention of Yahweh ever. And the difference is that in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, Yahweh's name is mentioned 7,000 times. If you don't know Yahweh's name, if you don't use Yahweh's name, if you don't proclaim Yahweh's name, if you don't love Yahweh's name, if you don't understand Yahweh's name, you don't know him. And so the, the very minimal uh, requirement to participate and benefit from any of these Moed Mikre is to know and love Yahweh's name. It's the first word in this statement. Moshe was probably the greatest man who ever lived. Um, his character was exemplary. Uh, he had a superlative intellect. Uh, he was amazingly devoted to the task of liberating and enlightening and leading his people. He's one of the few people that you look at his life and what he did um, and thereafter there isn't a flaw on the man's resume. Now it's pretty tough to have um, been abused by the children of Israel uh, while you're trying to save them after you've already been badgered by them for 40 years and still be dedicated task. Um, in my my mind, I don't think there was ever a man that walked in his shoes. And you know, he's not the most important man in God's story. That clearly is Dote, who will fulfill uh, uh, the last two Moed Mikre, uh, including Suka. Uh, he is the king of Suka. But nonetheless, this is an extraordinary man. His name means to draw out. So Yahweh spoke to Moshe for the purpose of saying. Now, it is um, um, important at this point also to recognize that uh, very early on during the Exodus, Yahweh decided that it would be a good thing for him to validate Moshe's credentials uh, to prove to the children of Israel that it was indeed the creator God of the universe who was uh, sharing the teaching and guidance with him that would comprise the Torah. Now, we have been back uh, at the history of the, uh, uh, the creation of the universe and everything that Yahweh conveyed through Moshe prophetically to it was indeed God that was speaking to him. But there in the moment without the time to validate all of these things or a scientific understanding of our uh, creation, uh, Yahweh needed to bolster uh, Moshe's credibility, particularly among Israelites who were fond of devouring uh, credibility. Uh, mm -hmm. So he spoke directly to the children of Israel, but... Um, they were uh, irascible. They were much more comfortable building false gods and idols 
and complaining than they actually were listening to God. So it it may have just been the fact that they were so corrupt uh, and they knew it that mm-hmm. they didn't want to be seen by God. And, and if God stopped speaking directly to them, maybe their uh, uh, all of their faults would be somehow less visible. They would Perhaps there was nothing more than they preferred company of false gods. They preferred the company of gods that they made. It's like rabbinic Jews prefer yeah. uh, their own testimony. They prefer their own Talmud. They prefer their Hashem. You know, constantly they will say, Hashem will come to get you. Oh, yeah. Hashem's mad about that. They've made a god in their own image. And yeah. Jews have been more proficient at that than anyone else making gods in their own image. And so uh, they didn't like Yahweh speaking directly to them. So Yahweh at that moment uh, affirmed that he wouldn't do that again, that he would speak through individuals like Moshe, which is why we're getting that, uh, this revelation from him. The next first line that, that Yahweh says is, converse, go talk with the Bene, the children of Yisrael of those who either engage and endure with God or those who struggle and strive against the Almighty. And say, on the 15th day of the seventh month is the festival feast, the Chog, of shelters, of sukkah, of homes and dwelling places, of tabernacles and tents, representing a protective clothing, uh, covering, a sheltered abode, where families live for seven Sheba days. God's instruction is pretty simple. Yes. Day of the seventh month. The first day of the seventh month and the way that months are calibrated in the Hebrew calendar is that the renewal of the of light on the moon surface closest to the vernal equinox uh, is the first of Abib. Fourteen days later is Pesach. Fifteenth day is Matzah. Sixteenth day is Bokorum. From Bokorum, it's seven sevens of uh, days, 49 days, and you arrive at Shabuwa. Counting months, which are five uh, uh, days, uh, um, a lunar cycle, from Abib, for, uh, oh, Abib 1, which is the first of the year, the uh, seventh month would be the the middle of the moon's light uh, seven times after uh, Abib 1. Uh, that would be the seventh month. We are now in the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. The first day of this month is Teruah. The tenth day of, of the seventh month is Yom Kippurim. And the 15th day of the month is this festival feast of Sukkah. Seventh, I know, Yahweh knows that between uh, 12 and 13 lunar months uh, in the year, there's only three months where events take place in terms of to meet with God. And in those, only two of the months are numbered and uh, and specifically named. So this is the seventh month. He speaks of the first month. And there are three 
uh, invitations to meet in the first month, and there were three in the seventh month. A chog is a it is a a time to celebrate, and what we're celebrating is homes and dwelling places and tabernacles and tents, sukkah, camping out. And God says it's for seven days. So now this is the seventh month and we're going to do it for seven days. Seven becomes essential. This is the seventh of seven Moed Mikre. And it is to be celebrated for seven days in the seventh month. Its I love that it's is, seven days. <laughs> yeah. You know, like those camping trips with your family, that you want them to last. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun. It's a fun time. Uh, you know, there's, uh, in today's world, we have different ways of, of some celebrating it. Um, I've had friends that put boxes in their living rooms uh, and, uh, and camped out uh, like in their, uh, their living room. Some people actually put a tent inside of their, uh, their house. You know, we yeah, we've done that. A, <laughs> yeah, you and, and I both live in a place where there's lots of mosquitoes. And it yeah. really isn't uh, to to be outside. Uh, you know, right now we were sharing. We have 86 degrees and 81 percent humidity at 7:21 in the evening. Uh, you know, there's a reason God invented air conditioning and uh, <laughs> and doors to keep the mosquitoes outside and the humidity inside yeah. at a more comfortable. Uh, <laughs> we do. We do sukkah um, uh, inside, um, but we, we call a room in the house as our, uh, as our tent. And uh, tonight, as, our, as a celebration of sukkah, we do have a, uh, a, uh, an external uh, canopy. It is as uh, close to a tent as anything that we have here, and we dined outside uh, in our uh, external um, uh, canopy. We call it the lay uh, and uh, so, you know, there there are ways to uh, to symbolically celebrate it. It's, but you know, God is not interested in us uh, doing some ritual where we go and we pitch a tent right. uh, around Jerusalem. What He wants us to understand is He's coming home to Jerusalem. This is about our homecoming. This is about living right. together as a family and celebrating being part of God's family, and it is this journey of how the previous six Moed Mikre bring us to this place and how we celebrate God's plan of seven, of six plus one equals God's idea of a good time, a chag. Six is the number of man who was created on the sixth day and is a carbon-based life form with a, an atomic number of six, uh, plus God who is one, Ichad, um, equating to seven. That is God's formula, and everything is based around it. So sukkah is God's promise to us. He's telling us that the seventh day that we have been invited to camp out with him. That's pretty. Creator of the universe has invited yeah. us to camp out with him. I, boy, I tell you, when, <laughs> one of the deal. things that uh, I loved yeah. more than almost anything when I was uh, a considerably younger man and and my uh, sons were uh, were very young, is that we would put on backpacks and we would head up to the Saharas. We lived in California and the, and the high Sierras were, uh, were, you know, a reasonable drive uh, from us. And we could hike from 
8,000 feet to uh, to 12,000 feet in that range, and and uh, and camp out beside beautiful crystal streams and the smell wow. of the of the pine and the sound the wind makes when it goes through it, and uh, and uh, even get above the tree level and the the granite tops of these mountains as they were polished by glaciers long ago, and then these glacial lakes that dot the Sierras. It is such a wonderful experience to camp out with your children. And that's what God is inviting us to do. He is our father. He's inviting us to camp out with him. So it is a chog. It is a festival feast. It is a a party. A derivation of sukkah, Sukkoth, is first used in Barashith 3317. And it is there that we can probe the meaning of the word itself. And we find uh, our to the Mikra of Sukkah uh, much earlier Arishith Genesis 33.7 So Yaakov which means reward or consequence it also means my stance I grab the heel it's uh, Yaakov from a cob to receive a benefit or suffer a penalty and overreaching digging in by being stubborn or embedding one heels to be steadfast that's a lot to learn from a name, but that's what Yaakov means. Was led, Nasa, was, uh, he set out on a journey and was guided to Sukkoth, the tabernacle of perfection from Sakak to cover and protect. And he built Bana, constructed and established to facilitate procreation, restoration, and prosperity, a house a family home. And then he made shelters for his possessions. A very clear indication of what sukkah is all about. It's about settling down with loved ones. Therefore, the name of his home and dwelling place where his ascension began, makum, it is from mah, means to ponder the implications of and kum to stand up and rise is invited and summoned it is read and recited as this is from kara which is the verb that defines the mikre mikre uh, is a compound of ma to ponder the implications of kara being invited summoned uh, to be met with and welcomed to read and recite uh, and the plural, it's mikre as opposed to mikra, of Sukkoth. So you're invited and summoned to recite about Sukkoth. When Jacob arrived and was included within this close personal fellowship, Shalem, he awakened and rose early in the day to show the way to get the most out of Asher, the life in the realm of the subdued, the Canaan, and he came from having been delivered and elevated. In other words, uh, Yahweh showed him the, the way to, to go from Canaan, the subdued, into this elevated state while celebrating Sukkah. So he camped out, having been treated mercifully, Wa Kana along with the presence 
of the awakened and arisen. A lovely um, presentation of sukha even before the mikre is introduced. There's nothing to wonder about. It's all laid out there for us. It's a time to having been drawn out of a uh, of, uh, of a place where people are subdued, which would be by religion and politics, and being elevated and rising up to God, camping out uh, with him, being treated mercifully, uh, building a home, living there with family, engaging in personal, uh, close personal uh, relationships. Um, and it was the beginning of his ascension, and it's directly associated with the verb kara. Mm-hmm. Uh, first use of the word. God has defined what he's offering. It's a feast for the eyes when we look beyond the names and superficial meanings of these words to their roots, which portray their original connotations. Yahweh provided us with a map home. No matter where we are, even surrounded by politically and religiously subjugated individuals, we can answer Yahweh's invitation to camp out with them on Sukkah, awakened and risen. And is the case with most uh, terms found in Yahweh's word, God defines them in their first use. The festival of shelters is about camping out with God and living mercifully under his protection. Now, one of the interesting things here, too, is that uh, the Yatsa, the Exodus, it began with a trip to, guess where? Sukkot. This is what led them there. The religious and political oppressors, Mitzrayim, were intensely resolute. Chazaz, they were strong-willed and harsh with the people, with the family, and hurriedly sent them out of the region, out of their land, for they said, we will all die. Uh, that was the time the 10th plague, and the 10th plague was, uh, was uh, the ultimate blessing for God's people. It was Passover. Um, but that's the doorway to, the light, to life. And the rank-and-file uh, Egyptians were much smarter than their pharaoh and said, you know, this idea uh, that, that you can spar with the creator God of the universe is way above the pay grade of even the Pharaoh. And so they said, get these people out of here. Stop it already. This was a Tutmos that had the big ego, but just stop it already. And at the moment, Tutmos, I'm sure, was grieving and he was mad because his, oh, sure. his firstborn son had been uh, killed the, uh, the night before. Uh, and it's interesting, of course, if you look up Egyptian uh, history, uh, Tutmos's son not only dies uh, at this time, uh, but uh, guess who didn't bother to write about how his life was taken? You know, with the Egyptians uh, writing about all of their great triumphs, the death of his eldest son uh, goes unmentioned other than he died. So the Very people, out of character. Yes, yes. So the people brought along their dough before it was yeasted, and there was a return to the grievous sorrow of cruel oppression. Terem Chemesh. 
in advance of the embittered fungus conceiving the culture of ruthless persecution. It is, of course, telling. The word for yeast, and yeast is a very pervasive fungus. Um, uh, And the word for it means to grieve, to suffer cruel oppression, uh, to be embittered, uh, to endure ruthless persecution. That is what Yahweh is asking us to remove from uh, our lives and from our, our diet on, on unyeasted bread, on matzah, is that which grieves, that which oppresses, uh, that which causes persecution. And really, in, 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 there's only two things that do that. Primarily is religion. Roman Catholic Church and the people they have persecuted. Look at Islam and those yeah, they yeah. have persecuted. Yeah. Uh, look at Judaism persecuting their own. Uh, their own of, of worth living. And, um, and politics will, will do that. So those are the only two things that embitter and, and they both uh, puff you therefore, up with pride. Yeah. Yeah. So God is asking us to remove religion and politics from our lives as part of uh, matzah and what we don't remove, uh, what we uh, haven't had there as a legacy of former guilt, a dote has taken away uh, on our, taking it away on our behalf. They had their uh, kneading bowls in their garments, bound up in their garments, and upon their shoulders to get an early start. When the children of Yisrael had engaged in a manner consistent with Moshe's message, they asked the religious despots and political tyrants in Mitzrayim for implements and cooking vessels, things considered valuable, along with objects of gold in addition to clothing. You know, they had, uh, they had earned these things. They had worked yeah. as slaves for 80 years. Uh, they... Um, um, during that time, they hadn't been paid, and so call it back wages. But uh, <laughs> Yahweh was not only liberating them against the will of uh, Pharaoh Tutmos, uh, the people said, we have pissed off God. That was a really bad thing to do. Uh, and uh, the least we can do for the eight years that we enslaved these people is, uh, is give them some some parting gifts, and maybe God won't continue to plague us. Yahweh bestowed and granted for the family a sense of empathy, resulting in favorable and compassionate uh, treatment in the sight of the oppressors, such that they let them have what they requested. Thereby, they spared Mitzrayim. So God is saying exactly what... um, what I'm saying here is that um, the Egyptians were smart enough to recognize that these plagues had happened um, because God had asked Pharaoh uh, Tutmos to let his children go, to stop abusing them, to stop enslaving them, let them go. He says, you know, we've, we've got things to attend to here, and these are my people, and we're going to work together 
let them go. And he uh, said, no, I want to keep them as, uh, as my slaves. I, he thought he possessed them, that he owned them. And so the, the rank-and-file Egyptians said, no, no, uh, we need not only to let these people go, we need to show God that uh, we wish them no harm and that we are in some ways making amends, that we're saying we're sorry and trying to, uh, right. yeah, to, mm-hmm. to, to just resolve yeah. all the, the uh, grievances that we have um, bestowed upon these people. And so they complied with the uh, Yisraelite wishes. The children of Yisrael set out from Ramses to Sukkoth. Clearly, it does not say they left Pharaoh Ramses because he would come much later. Uh, It says they left uh, Ramses. And that's important for a number of reasons. One is this was written um, around uh, 14... uh, 1447 uh, BCE. Uh, that was uh, basically 3,500 years before anyone stumbled upon the Rosetta Stone and knew how to read uh, the uh, ancient Egyptian script. And yet in this vocalized language is Hebrew, it's written out right here in the, in the Torah, the name of the Ra, and Ramses is, 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 the, uh, is a name derived from the name of the Egyptian god, Ra. He was the sun god. Uh, so it's fascinating in that regard. In terms of the pharaoh of the Exodus, uh, if you look at the timing and the, and the timeline uh, deed that you've created for the, uh, the site, um, it's, uh, it's pretty obvious that it was 1447 BCE, and they've done a lot of work on the Egyptian chronology in the last uh, five to ten years. Uh, the, uh, you know, there's, there were three or four different chronologies, and now I think there's one that is overwhelmingly preferred, and it has, during that time, um, uh, Tutmos III with his stepmother, Hatshepsut uh, for a number of years and was uh, just out there being a, a general and a, a warrior uh, for his early days. And then when his stepmother died, he became uh, full pharaoh of Egypt, and he was pharaoh at the time that uh, this was all taking place. Right. Israel set out from Ramses to Sukkoth. So from the son of the sun, which is what Ramesses means in, uh, in uh, the Egyptian uh, dialect, to Sukkoth, temporary dwelling. So it was their first stop along the way. And, uh, and they were with approximately 600,000 able individuals on foot besides children. That's a lot of people. Wow. But, yeah. you know, they had, yeah, they had uh, been there for... Uh, you know, better part of 400 years that they were estranged uh, uh, from uh, the land. Uh, and so over those centuries, uh, and life was good for the, uh, the Hebrews uh, in uh, Mitzrayim. They were productive and, and um, 
economically and obviously uh, in terms of uh, procreation. They they were prolific. Uh, it was just the last 80 years, and I think a lot of that is uh, is due to the Egyptian uh, fortunes. They were they were controlled by uh, uh, other uh, ethnicities, uh, pretty well subjugated themselves. That yoke, they felt very full of themselves and uh, responded uh, rather than saying, boy, we really hated being oppressed. We will not impress, oppress anybody. They said, uh, you know, we hated being oppressed, so we're going to be oppressors. And so the, uh, at that point, the Hebrews were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. So they baked the dough, uh, which they had brought out of the crucibles of oppression as flat loaves, as matzah, as unyeasted bread, because there was no embitterment, chamat, added. As they had been expelled from Mitzrayim, the crucibles of political and religious oppression, and they would not have prevailed had they delayed. This is um, a marvelous statement. Uh, and while we're here tonight to celebrate uh, Sukkah, there is no especially important that we, we garner what we just learned about matzah. Um, for the past 22 years, I've uh, been singing the same tune, which is the chametz yeast that is the fungus that is being removed during matzah represents religion and politics. Yes. Period. What does this mm-hmm. say? They set out from uh, Ramses. They were leaving behind religion and politics. And so their matzah was unyeasted because there was no continuing embitterment because they were expelled. They were driven. They were cast out. They had separated from crucibles of political and religious oppression. And had they remained, had they, there would be no freedom. Had they delayed, they would still be swallowed up by the fungus of this embittering yeast of religion and politics. It is the same message to God's children today. If you delay leaving Judaism or liberal or conservative politics, in Israel or in America, you're going to miss the There will be no sukkah for you. Delay. No, no. You have to leave the embittering and subjugating influence of religion and politics to be able to camp out with God. So this is an exceedingly clear presentation of what matzah is all about. And of course, in rabbinic Judaism, there is no celebration of matzah. It, according to the Torah, it's the single most important of all seven of the Moed Mikra. This is the day that Dode's soul, our chamats, our religious and political guilt into Sheol and deposited there never to be seen again. And yet, 
what the rabbis have done is turn Passover into a seven-day um, holiday when Passover is a single night. It's matzah that is a seven-day celebration, just as is sukkah. Moreover, they had not done anything to prepare food or provisions for themselves. Oh, so they were going off on a journey through the wilderness back to the promised land and they hadn't done anything to prepare. What does that mean? Pastor Milan, yeah. That is what it means. That is exactly what it means. That they didn't have anything prepared and it was Yahweh who uh, had made the preparations for them. They were living Yahweh's plan. They were benefiting from Yahweh's provisions. The time interval of the children of Yisrael in which they remained in the realm of Mitzrayim, the crucibles of religious and political oppression, 30 years and 400 years. And then it came to pass at the completion of 30 years and 400 years in this very, this one substantial, essential, and foundational day, it came that everyone who was part of the vast assemblage of individuals following their leader, Yahweh, came out from the realm of religious and political persecution and tyranny. When did they come out? The day before had been what? Pesach Passover. They celebrated the doorway to life on Pesach. What was the day that they left religion and politics behind? Matzah. Yeah, matzah. Why in the world? Did religious Jews write matzah out of their calendar? This is the essential day. This is the very substantial, essential, and foundational day. And we're reading about this because, of course, we're studying sukkah, and this is the next mention of sukkah. They left Ramses and went to sukkah. But what are we learning? We're learning that Chemetz represents religious and political guilt, and this is what they left behind to be with Yahweh. Right. When it comes to sukkah camping out with God, there is more to the experience than the destination itself. Yahweh is, uh, told us about this story so that we might also appreciate from where we have come. This contrast equips us with a better understanding of the difference between what man and God are offering. Their journey led them from Mitzrayim, Egypt, politics, religion, the caste system, to Sukkoth, from religious and political oppression to camping out with God. The rabbinic insistence on excluding Goyim who do not convert to Judaism from the benefits of inclusion and citizenship within Israel is certainly at contrast to Yahweh's destruction. It also affirms that Israel was called to do what they have long foregone. 
This is now Shemoth Exodus 12:37, same chapter. The entire community of witnesses of Yisrael, individuals who engage and endure with God, should on their own volition observe every. And if a foreigner living as a guest, congregating together with you, um, acts upon and engages in Pesach Passover to approach Yahweh, every male must be circumcised. And then at that time, of course, circumcised because it's the sign of the covenant. And if you're not part of the covenant, the last thing you want to do is open the door to eternal life because it would be spent separated from Yahweh. And that means you'd have a, an enduring trip to hell. Oh. Mm. And then at that time, they or he may approach and engage in it. It will be the same for the native-born individual of the land. Therefore, any uncircumcised person shall not consume or eat it. There was and will always be only one Torah. For the foreigner living as a guest congregating among you. And that worked for us. That means there is no oral Torah because there's only one of them. (laughs) Right. And it also means that there is, the Torah is not a Jewish book, but instead Yahweh's book that teaches all mankind. Tell your children about this day, saying, for the sake of the participants who benefit from this occasion, Yahweh engaged to do this for me when I came out of and was removed of oppression. And it shall exist on your behalf as an awe-inspiring sign for your hand and influence and action. And that's really what every... Mikra ought to be. It ought to be an awe-inspiring sign, something that we understand the symbolism of and what it means uh, pursuant to our relationship with God. And it represents a memorial reminder and a commemoration for retrospection, depicting a record, a zechariah, for comprehension between your eyes. Now, the religious have decided, well, what it means is want us to put a box between our eyes and impair our vision. Uh, and we're already blind, really ruined. And we're already lame, uh, but we're going to put another box on the back of our hand. And the way that we tie the ribbon to hold that box will be a religious rite that the rabbis will explain to us. But God is using symbolic language, and it represents a a memorial reminder and a commemoration for retrospection, depicting a record (laughs) worth recalling. La Zacharon is the, to a maximum, uh, as a maximum, a proverb, a symbol, and an inheritance right. Comprehension between your eyes. If you want to comprehend something, you probably don't want to put it in a box for the purpose. The purpose is so that the Torah teaching and guidance of Yahweh exists and thus in your speech. Now, they were smart enough to recognize that you're not supposed to eat the Torah. So they, you don't see them. <laughs> but 
How could you be smart enough to know, okay, we're really not supposed to eat the Torah, we're supposed to speak the Torah, but yet you're not smart enough to recognize that the sign between the eyes and on the back of the hand was also a metaphor. Indeed, the powerful, strong, and resolute hand, which would be the influence of, yeah, another metaphor, by the way, brought you out. There was no eye. There was the pillar cloud and the, uh, and the flame, and it's a metaphor of Yahweh brought you out, removing and delivering you from the oppressive nature of religion and politics, Mitzrayim. Therefore, closely examine, carefully consider, and observe this clearly communicated written prescription of what you should do to live. That is a chuka. Drawing near during this eternal witness to the appointed meeting time. La Zoth La Moed. Days for days upon. All of this instruction is for us to observe so that we might live. It is God's mm-hmm. eternal witness to us, and it just so happens to coincide with these seven meeting times each year. Go ahead, Jack Kirk. No, I was just saying, you know, you fetch your more. We've never translated it different than carefully examine, closely, closely examine rather than carefully observe things. So why why would you not do it that way? It just it ain't that hard. He's a very good communicator, Yahweh. Yeah, uh, he invented language, particularly the Hebrew uh, language, and he was able to use a three-dimensional language, uh, create it and use it, to conceive life mm-hmm. through uh, DNA. Yeah. So I, I'd yeah. say he's probably a, a pretty Perfect. decent communicator. <laughs> I would rank that up with his, uh, with his uh, uh, many oh, of his other is. attributes. Yep. That's yeah. why he loved Dode, because Dode was such an effective communicator. That's why he used Moshe. Moshe is an exceedingly effective communicator. You ain't bad it, yeah, it, uh, well, uh, yeah, not to the same extent, but uh, to some degree, I'm certain that uh, that's part of the equation, part of the appeal. Yeah. And it shall come to exist that when Yahweh brings you to the land of the Kenai, it will be according to his sworn oath and promise to you and to your fathers giving her to you. So when the children of Israel became uh, abysmal, uh, ingrates, um, spoiled brats during the 40 years of the time they were freed from slavery in Mitzrayim until the time that uh, Yahusha uh, ben Nun led them into the promised land. Uh, the only reason that Yahweh stuck with them was that he'd made a promise to do this. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a caveat that said, I will do it so long as they're not uh, irascible brats. So he said, I'm, I'm doing this. This is my promise to you. This, this land uh, is a, a promise. This land, though, represents far more than, uh, than a troubled and bloodied piece of dirt. Um, the land represents God's home. It right. represents being part of the covenant family. It, it represents camping out with our Heavenly Father. And he made those promises 
to Abraham as part of the covenant, and he is honoring those promises. And that's the reason why he will be fulfilling Kippurim and Sukkah with his son Dode ten years from now. So when it occurs that your child asks in the future, saying, what is this all about? Say to him or her, by the powerful and strong hand, the uh, Chozek Yad of Yahweh, he brought us out, withdrew and delivered us, Yatza, that's the basis of uh, Exodus, which is a Greek word, uh, away mm-hmm. from religious and political oppression and out of the house of slavery. So what are you supposed to tell our children? Exact thing. I read this yeah. to my kids, and it made total sense to them. It was kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one knows how to communicate, for yep. sure. He has reached down and out to us with a powerful, and strong, firm, reliable hand. And with that hand, he has brought us out and delivered us from the consequence of And he has liberated and emancipated us from slavery. And even if you are benefit from living in a time when there's only some 50 million slaves in the world, um, only, what a tragic number, uh, I will tell you that, uh, that every citizen of every country uh, gives up their They give up uh, many of their rights, uh, particularly in Muslim countries or in communist countries. You give up an enormous amount of uh, of freedom um, to your country. And for most of human history, um, like the serfs of of Roman Catholic Europe had uh, no freedoms. And and until about uh, 200 years ago, uh, the caste system was pervasive around the world. And so people were indeed slaves. Uh, you know, and we've talked about this in, in, uh, in ancient Rome and Greece, which you know, historians and others like to say, you know, the grandeur of these places. No. 90% of the people who lived in those places, Athens and Rome, they were slaves. Yeah. And of the 10% that weren't slaves... Most of them were well down on the caste system, such that life was only free for a very tiny percentage of people. And so this is what Yahweh is offering uh, to liberate us from. He is a liberator, which means that the Torah doesn't have laws to uh, obey. He is not imposing on us as a Lord. He is a liberator. He is the old painter. Now, Mitzrayim was both the name of this horrible place and a word that described what transpired there. It is the crucibles of religious and political oppression. And this is based upon Mitzrayim, the tyrants and despots behind governmental and military economic uh, subjugation. The plural of Matsor, it speaks of those 
besieged during a time of testing and tribulation. It is derived from sewer, T-S-U-W-R, uh, which is a, uh, um, an oppressive place, a place where people are bound and confined by an adversary, assaulted and afflicted with the conditions akin to those uh, enclosed in a concentration camp. And it is from Sur that we see the connection between these conditions in this place and time and what is about to befall Jews during the time of Jacob's Sur, Israel's troubles. When in Sukkah, they became a part of the family. It, uh, God's testimony continues. And then they set out and moved on from Sukkoth. They camped out in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Yahweh walked in their presence during the day with a columnar cloud to lead and guide them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to shine light upon them so that they might walk day by day and night by night. All the while, Yahweh will be about his business, which will be transforming the earth back into Eden as the ultimate celebration of this day. We're now turning to, uh, uh, to one of the most wonderful prophecies uh, about this day. It's found in Yahshua, Isaiah 4. In this day, which is his day, living vegetation will sprout and thrive, branching out and growing. Uh, Shemak is also uh, the title uh, afforded to uh, Do David far more than even Masayak. For Yahweh, it will be beautiful and splendorous. Words God's going to reclaim the earth in such a way that it is restored back into the conditions of the Garden of Eden. Then he will approach as a glorious manifestation along with the majestic and eminently wonderful, fruitful offering of the realm. The remnant of survivors of Yisrael and Yahudah will also have an attractive and shining appearance. So not only is the garden being reestablished, but the remnant of Yisrael who gather um, on Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah, October 2nd in 2033 at sundown. Not only will the earth be restored, but this remnant of survivors of Yisrael and Yahuda are also going to have an attractive and shining uh, experience, uh, appearance. They're going to be transformed into light. So it's not just mm -hmm. restoring the earth, it's restoring the very nature of the covenant family. Then it will come to pass that he who remains in Zion, which are the signs posted along the way, with the remnants spared in Jerusalem, will be called set apart. For all who approach him will be written and ascribed in the book of lives. In Jerusalem, which means the source from which guidance and teaching regarding reconciliation flow. Yahshua Isaiah 4.3 Then Yahweh will create 
initiating something cutting edge, exceedingly new upon every location and dwelling place along the ridgeline of Zion as, as well as over her micre by way of a cloud by day along with smoke and with a brilliant shining radiance and majestic light of flaming fire by night. So Yahweh is going to appear as light. His children are going to be radiant. Uh, and this is all going to take place in Jerusalem as those who attend the family reunion on Yom Kippur, which is our entire mission, is to call Yisrael and Yahudam home so that they can celebrate with us when Yah and Dod return on Yom Kippur and that will enable all of us, this remnant of Yisrael, to camp out with Yahweh, Father and Son, forevermore on Sukkah. For indeed, upon all of this manifestation of power and glory will be a sheltering canopy, a chupa. And then there will be Sukkah for camping out, a temporary sheltered dwelling serving as a representation of something manifesting greater dimensions by the light of day out of Chorib, the cutting edge and dividing line. It will be a protected place and a safe harbor from the outpouring of the violent floodwaters and from the rain, the deluge. Yashaya Isaiah 4, 5 and 4, 6. So that's where we're headed. This is the uh, greatest of the prophets, Yahshua, and he's speaking at a time that Yahweh is returning to Jerusalem, that a remnant of Israel will have their names written in the book of life. The earth will be restored so that vegetation flourishes. The very covenant members themselves are going to be radiant, um, energy-based. Yahweh is going to appear as uh, light, and we're going to be increased in greater dimensions, going from three to seven dimensions, all based upon what was revealed at Torah, which is where Torah was. We're going to be in a protected place, a safe shelter. This is what it means to Sukkah. There is another presentation of, uh, of Sukkah that I found interesting as well. Uh, it's in Amos, um, ninth chapter. Um, verses what 9 to 12 is kind of the uh, the place where you'll find it. Yahweh speaks of using a filter mechanism to determine which souls are allowed to remain uh, in Israel and his company, using the Torah to decide who makes the final cut. Thereafter, Yahweh reestablishes the Sukkah of Dod, which uh, the religious have ransacked and have misappropriated. So this is from the prophet Amos. Pay attention, because by contrast, I will either instruct or I will shake every one of the Gentiles associated with or against the house of Israel. moves a sieve back and forth such that nothing which is troublesome 
will fall through to the earth. That's a, um, a test, if you will. You can be yeah. a, uh, um, among the goy who is instructed by Yahweh uh, and find a safe harbor, safe shelter, uh, participating in sukkah, or you, uh, you can um, uh, be one of those who is shaken and, uh, and um, seen as being against the house of Yisrael, and therefore you will be tossed out uh, with the, um, the chaff. It is imperative that God establish this means to ascertain who lives and who dies, such that Yisrael and Shamaim are no longer corrupted by plagues of religion and politics and conspiracy. Well, the fact is that Yisrael has been, Shamaim has never been, but we don't want to transfer, God doesn't want to transfer, all of the irascible and wayward nature of Yisrael into Shamaim, otherwise we'd have an eternity of what uh, Moshe experienced with the children of Yisrael during the 40 years of the Yatza Exodus. So yeah, as always, no yeah, that would not that would be miserable. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. how Moshe survived it or why Yahweh endured it, but uh, they were brats. As always, this determination will be made based upon our acceptance of the Torah and our willingness to go where Yahweh's words lead. By the Chorab, the cutting edge and dividing line, every one of my people who have missed the way will die, including those who protest the implication of the wrongdoing associated with our companions will not be associated with us, but we to confront it such that it comes around to us and extracts a price from us, oh, wishful thinking. Um, but that's the nature of faith. They say a lot of dumb things, and many of them anger Yah. And this is one of many protests that Yah is going to say, yeah, I don't think so. Religious Jews in particular will remain entrenched. But believing that they will never be implicated are committing the most egregious crime in human history. Um, and I could probably say crimes. It's not only uh, removing his name from his testimony and then uh, but they also denied Dode of everything he has done to save us. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say uh, there will be a quid pro quo and payback couldn't happen to a more deserving drove of, well, religious scallywags. During that day, I will erect and establish the sukkah, the sheltered dwelling for camping out. And it will be associated with Dode David. I will repair and restore its breaches because it has fallen, and I will raise up whatever is in disrepair, and then I will rebuild it so that it is like long ago and will endure forevermore. Now, we have returned to 2 Samuel 7:11 many times, and we have done so because that's the place where Yahweh and his son Dode 
have a lively discussion about homes, who builds them, who lives in them, uh, whose responsibility is it to be the father and who is the son. Uh, and mm-hmm. what we learn is that God says, I didn't ask you to build me a house, but I'm delighted that you have one. Uh, and in eternity, it's going to be my responsibility to build your home. That home will be called the covenant, and you're going to have the seat of honor within it. Um, God is saying here that he is going to restore the sukkah of Dot. And that puts Dot as the person who is coming back. He is the Messiah, so the returning Messiah is Dot. He is the king. He will be the king of sukkah. Um, he is also our savior because he has fulfilled pray and he is the subject of the fifth, and he will fulfill the sixth, Yom Kippurim, and then be the reigning monarch forevermore over Sukkah. I will repair and restore its breaches and then rise up, uh, raise up whatever is in disrepair, and then I will rebuild it such that it is like long ago and will endure forevermore. Amos 9 and 11. As a result, all of those who are called by my name, well, that's going to eliminate all progressive Israelis and progressive Jews here in America. It will eliminate the Haredim and all religious Jews because they never say Yahweh's name. As a result, all of those who are called by my name will inherit that which is associated with whatever remains of Edom, the residue of Rome and the Roman Catholic Church, and thus all of Europe, in addition to the Gentile nations, prophetically declares Yahweh, who will make this happen. So come Sukkah, and uh, just 10 years from now, 10 years from this very day, Yahweh's going to have eliminated uh, every confrontational soul such that the earth is essentially depopulated and then it's restored to a pristine condition and then Yahweh says I'm going to give you the modern incarnation of Edom which would be the residue of Rome and the Roman Catholic Church and all of Europe but also the United States emulates Rome we have a Capitol Hill, we have our Senate, we have our uh, Gela, our Eagle. Um, we have so much of uh, Rome, we call ourselves a republic. Um, so these places are going to be given to the remnant of Yisrael. Observations and coming home, we've had the opportunity to consider Edom from near and far. And each time, its modern incarnation is seen as that which has emerged out of imperial Catholicism. Should we be right, the nation and religion most responsible for abusing God's children will be possessed by those they have robbed. During the first and foremost day, there is a set-apart invitation to be called out and meet. We are now returning to Kara Leviticus. 
This is 2335. Anything associated with the Malacca and spiritual counselor duties, Abodah, you should not engage in or try to profit from a Shah. Now, the reason we, uh, we say that this is the Malacca, the maternal messenger and spiritual counselor, is that God said Malacca. So if we convey Malacca, we have to be correct. And Malacca is based upon Malak. It is the feminine of Malak. Malak in Hebrew is the spiritual representatives of Yahweh. It is his heavenly messengers. Um, so Malaka is just the feminine of a spiritual envoy, a spiritual messenger, a spiritual counselor. So it's a maternal messenger or spiritual counselor. Uh, that's just taking Yahweh at his word. And if you did not do that and, and you decided to, uh, to pretend that Malacca meant work, uh, anything associated with the work, work, you because Abadah is clearly a Hebrew term for work uh, from uh, Abad, uh, meaning uh, to work, and Asah means to do which is to work. So since I don't think God said uh, anything associated with the work uh, of work, you should not work, um, it's much safer to represent Malacca based upon uh, its root, which is Malak. Uh, and Malacca right. is simply the feminine of Malak. For seven days, you should consistently approach and come near. And then we have a reinforcement of this feminine aspect of Yahweh's nature because the next word is Isha. Isha is the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light unto Yahweh. Um, Isha is only two ways you can translate the word. It is either the feminine version of Ish fire so Yahweh appeared as an Ish fire uh, and his masculine form. When he appears in his feminine form as the set-apart spirit, the Ruach Kodesh is feminine in Hebrew, representing our spiritual mother. Um, when it's presented in um, the feminine, it is Isha. And Isha is a word for female. So feminine nature of God's light of Isha, which is something we're asked to do. And here we're asked to do it, invited to do it, really, as part of Sukkah. For seven days, you should consistently approach and come near, Karab, present yourself and appear, uh, before the manifestation, the feminine manifestation of fiery light unto Yahweh. Now, it's really tough to do that if you don't know how to translate karab, which doesn't mean that you present a gift, it means to approach, to come near. If you misrepresent uh, Isha and pretend that it's a burnt offering, when it is a feminine manifestation of, of God's fiery light, uh, and when you don't know and don't say Yahweh's name. 
but it's all there in the text. That is, Kara called out to Leviticus 23:36. Then God goes on to say, speaking of an eighth day, because Sukkah represents forevermore. We're going to camp out with Yahweh and the rest of the covenant family for all eternity, and eight is symbolic of eternity in the Hebrew language. Um, it is even symbolic of eternity and our numerals, and that an eight laid on its side is the sign for infinity. During the eighth day, there exists for you to approach, Haya La Atem, an invitation to be called out and meet a mikra, a summons to a meeting, an occasion to be welcomed, a time to ponder what uh, we should call out, what we should read and recite, what we should publish and proclaim. Uh, mikra is from my, to consider the implications of kara, to call out and to welcome, to invite and to summon, to read and recite, to meet and to encounter one another. You should come at that time, present yourself and appear before Karab, you should approach and draw near, Isha, the feminine representation of the fiery light who purifies, enlightens, and elevates unto Yahweh. That's our opportunity. You don't have to camp out with God, but you are invited to do so. And if you do, you're going to be uh, transformed by his light, by his set-apart spirit. We're literally going to be able to draw near unto the very presence of God. Mm. That's awesome. So, yeah, sounds like a wonderful invitation. And this is where it uh, all leads. This is the purpose of all seven of the Moed Mikra. Uh, and and um, in rabbinic Judaism, there's no connection between them. You know, the there is uh, no connection between Pesach and Matzah. In fact, Matzah has been eliminated. There's almost no reference to Bakorum. And yet these is, is really one event, um, three parts of a single act. Um, and they result in Shabuah, being enriched and empowered. So that we can Teruah, the return of father and son, which then gives the remnant of Israel the opportunity to camp out with Yahweh on Sukkah. One story. Yes. And God has made it very clear as to what the purpose and the benefit of Sukkah represents. This uh, continuing from Kara, which is named after the same verb, means to call out Leviticus 23:36. It is time to show some discipline and some restraint in meeting together with her. So now we know that the Malacca is feminine, as is Isha, with her, such that mm -hmm. you do not engage or try to perform or profit from anything associated with the Malakas, the maternal messengers and spiritual counselors, duties or responsibilities. The set-apart spirit can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. 
Uh, Dode, when he was anointed at eight, had the set-apart spirit come upon him in a powerful way. It made Dode the most important man who ever lived. It enabled Dode to fulfill the Moed Mikre. It enables Dode to have had three lives. You know, we're all going to have that are part of the covenant, too. Mm-hmm. He had three because he had an important mission to fulfill in year 4,000. Yeah. Right. Um, the set-apart spirit uh, provides counsel, malaka, um, um, the message of, of counsel. Uh, she provides courage being bold because she's very protective uh, and she empowers us. Uh, She provides understanding. When we study the word of of God, she enables us to derive important insights from it. She helps us learn so that we can become effective teachers. She is the one who covers us in a garment of light so that we appear perfect in Yahweh's eyes. She anoints the children of, of Israel who have benefited from the Bereth Covenant and the Mikre invitations to meet such that we are transformed from material beings to energy-based beings um, and therefore are elevated to the seventh dimension. Um, as the Choder, um, Yahweh recognized, I don't know if he didn't think he had much to work with or realized I don't have time for a mulligan here. We've got 32 years. We have a lot to accomplish, and my people are really, really stubborn. So I'm going to give you the, you know, the, the full range of all seven of uh, the uh, spirits of Yahweh. Um, and with all seven, uh, you're going to prevail. You're going to get the job done. My people will listen, ultimately, and they will come home. Um, so it's her duties that we cannot do. I, for example, I can tell you about how we are perfected by Yahweh. I can't perfect you. I can explain right. to you how the set-apart spirit took Dord's soul into Sheol and then brought him back to Shamaim to celebrate first-born children. I can't perform what she did. Um, I can explain how the set-apart spirit makes it possible for us to write these books and to, and to uh, provide the insights that are part of this program. But I'm not the one providing the inspiration and the insights and the understanding. She is. And I'm repeating what I learned from her. So she, there, there are things that we just cannot do and shouldn't even try. But we're still asked invited really to come into her presence so we are invited to come into her presence celebrate our relationship from her with her understand that she has specific duties she is delighted to do them she serves as our spiritual mother and therefore she is nurturing and supportive and enlightening and empowering uh she's the ultimate teacher and protector for us and we should allow her to do them. You know, Yahweh didn't say, I'm going to uh, bestow the Choder with the seven spirits so that he can pretend like he is one of those spirits. No, it's 
for the Choder to learn and grow and understand and benefit and have the boldness to communicate this message to God's family. Let her do her right. job while you celebrate being in her presence. And you think, you think that Yahweh is approachable. She is eminently more so. And Yahweh is about the easiest individual in the universe to be around. Um, awesomely supportive. So this continues to say, these godly, specific, eternal witnesses to the restoring of they are of Yahweh. That means they're not Jewish holidays. And thank God, because no. they've butchered all of them. Uh, these mm-hmm. Moed are of Yahweh. Which to offer the benefits of the relationship, you are invited and to proclaim them. Just in case you didn't see the connection between Mikra and being invited, being summoned, being welcomed, being greeted. Well, here it is right here. It's the verb, kara. And it was written in the call imperfect, which means interpret this genuinely and actually, uh, knowing that it has ongoing implications over time. Which to offer the benefits of the relationship, you are invited to attend to proclaim them accordingly as set apart and special Mikre, invitations to be called out and meet for the purpose approaching the vision of the fiery light who purifies, enlightens, and elevates according to Yahweh. To rise and ascend, Ola, including a gift, a sacrifice, and a pouring out of the word day by day. You know what the gift was, the sacrifice was, Yahweh makes it very clear in Yashaya 9. Yashaya 9, 9, 6. It's a child was born, but a son was given as a gift. Yahweh's son, Dode, the Messiah, fulfilled Pesach and Matzah, making the ultimate sacrifice so that we might live and be perfected. That is what God is talking about at this time. It is the greatest discovery in the history of humankind, the realization that Dode, your beloved son, his chosen one, the anointed Messiah, the king of Israel, the Zeroah, served as the Passover lamb to offer us this wonderful gift of life, of perfection, of adoption into Yahweh's family, of empowerment and enrichment, all five benefits of the covenant, all five delivered through Do's fulfillment of the first four Moed Mikre and 4,000 Yah. That's what this story is all about. Sukkah is here mm-hmm. for us to enjoy the benefits of the relationship, for us to proclaim that we are set apart and special. Set apart means, Kodesh, that we are not common. Therefore, we are not religious or political the most common institution in the history of humankind is religion. Religion. The second most common and prolific is politics and government. 
Yes. And so to be uncommon, to be set apart, to be distinct, to be special, is disassociated from religion and politics. We're set apart from the ways of man and set apart unto the way of God. And this is the purpose of the Mikrae, these invitations to be called out and meet, whose purpose is to approach the the feminine manifestation and representation of the fiery light who purifies, enlightens, and elevates unto Yahweh. The set-apart spirit perfects us. You know, fire is uh, interesting because it consumes decaying organic material. And it transforms that decaying organic material into light and energy. Very much Mm -hmm. like this transformation that the Spirit is offering us through the covenant and these invitation, which is to shed the limitations of our physical bodies that are organic and decaying and transforming Mm -hmm. us into light energy is what fire does that's why it serves as a metaphor of how we approach Yahweh to Allah from Allah to rise and ascend as part of the sacrifice which was poured out of the word boy you think about Dode's first person account of how he would fulfill Pesach and Matzah and then of Yashaya's powerful portrayal of what Dode represents to Yahweh. I mean, Isaiah 6 and 7 is Yahweh's pronouncement of, this is my son, and this is what Dode means to me. He is all of these right. things. This is how I perceive him. And then Yashaya in the 53 chapter will explain why. The very fact that he served as the Passover lamb and carried our guilt into Sheol such that it would never be seen again. This is the story. Now, we are um, well past the end of our broadcast portion of our show. We are still recording on the, uh, on, uh, the archives. Um, but we're really in a place where maybe we should, uh, we should stop it's for the evening. And- um, yeah, and then... Pick this up next week. We'll be at the eighth uh, day of uh, Sukkah. There's so much more to share. It's the happiest day of the year uh, for us. <laughs> you know, it's uh, when we go through the the, the Moed Mikre, uh, The most important day for us is Matzah. The second yeah. most important day is Pesach. Uh, the most important day for Yahweh, the day that He will enjoy the most is uh, Kippurim, the day of the family reunion. Um, But Pesach and Matzah, while they are wonderful for us and essential for us, with one providing us eternal life, the other one perfection, uh, such that we we enjoy the results, which is being adopted into God's family and enriched and empowered by him. Uh, Well, that's all wonderful. Pesach and matzah, the, the two most essential parts of that, they're solemn affairs. When you think of what the Son of God endured 
so that we might live in God's presence and be part of his family, um, they, yes, God calls them chog, so celebrations, and I do celebrate them, and I do enjoy them, because I'm, I'm delighted with what they're offering and who they are and, and what they're providing. But ultimately, the, the day that is just about partying and celebration and being together and enjoying the relationship, it's sukkah. Um, Kippurim is one of those that is bittersweet. It is very sweet for Yahweh. It's bitter for the family. And even God describes it. When he returns on Yom Kippurim, that remnant of Israel is going to be crying their eyeballs out. Here's the the first encounter of Dod as our Savior, and knowing what he went through for us to live and to be perfected and adopted into God's family for this very day to occur for him to uh, defend us and to reconcile the relationship and and all of the grief that his people have given him over the years and the denials, we're going to be crying our eyes out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so, um, while it's a wonderful day for Yahweh because it's finally over, you know, Yahweh says, okay, after all of this time, since they were bratty against me and, uh, and during the Exodus, for 3,450 uh, uh, years, finally it's over. And I don't have to listen to any of the complainers anymore. All we have is collabs now. There's only collabs. And uh, Yosha's been nuns and dodes. And uh, a D and a Leia and a Kirk and a Jackie and a, <laughs> a David and a Mike and, and a Yada, uh, a JK and uh, yes and and uh, and a Yada, yep. <laughs> now, um, I, I look at this. I, I said last week that Yom Kippurim is a uh, is a bittersweet time for me because uh, I'm I'm retired. I've uh, had at that point to be 32 years of every day being exciting. Uh, living in the moment to uh, to make the most opportunity to uh, have a wonderful reunion for Yahweh so that it's a wonderful celebration of the family reunion for our God and for his son who's given us so much. Um, and so right. uh, it will be the end of that journey. And there's, there is something about reaching the end of the most exciting and meaningful thing you've ever done that – Oh my! Now what? You know. So, uh, but I, I do think there's going to be a little bit of a fuss on uh, this day. Uh, just Yahweh's nature. If you listen to what he has to say about his beloved son Dode, he's not going to let all that we have done to make this day special for him go without saying something. And when that something is, I appreciate what you've done, and it's coming from God. You know, there's going to be a fuss. Uh, on, on this day, and, and that's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of us. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we don't like the attention in this in this case. Uh, you know, because we're beneficiaries too. Yeah. So, uh, um, I, you know, that's it's going to be awkward uh, this day for uh, for us. But Yahweh's going to do what he's going to do because he's dad, and that's just what dads do. Um, <laughs> but Kippurim is just pure joy. You know, I'm not. Um, the least bit concerned about Kippurim because 
it's vacation time, baby. It's right. it's go off and explore the universe, explore uh, the Earth, past and uh, and present and future. It's uh, it's taking grand uh, trips with uh, with friends, and it's working together, uh, serving Dode and Yahweh. You know, so we we get to continue uh, to uh, um, to be busy. Uh, and to do things that are productive and meaningful, but it's uh, it's all this time of ultimate uh, joy, uh, and yeah. you know, imagine the Earth just life, and and you have the opportunity as a seven-dimensional creature to to explore it all. You want to go talk with the animals? Go do it. You want to go travel to one of these stars that's now nothing but a diamond? Go do it. You want to explore the, the moons on some other gal- in some other solar system of some other galaxy? Go do it. No, you, right. you have that opportunity. Uh, and if you just want to sit around the campfire and sing Dode songs, well, you can do that too. If you want to take a yeah. long nap, I suppose you could do that as well. So this is just a day <laughs> of rejoicing and celebrating. We're going back to the Gani Don, which is the Garden of Great Joy. Uh, and we began our forevermore, and the numbskulls are around. Uh, we don't have to expose and condemn religion anymore because it doesn't exist anymore. Right. You know, there's no news to uh, to rebuke at the beginning of a program. You uh, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> yep. My my knees don't hurt at the end of a long day. My back's not sore from sitting in the chair. Uh, don't need glasses anymore. Little benefits and, okay. and big ones as uh, as well. So it's a grand celebration of life. So this time next week, we'll be celebrating the eighth day of Sukkah. So um, I say we um, we pick up from here and, and, and go on. Here, here. Right. Well done. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So thank you very much uh, for participating. Thank you for uh, for listening. We uh, look forward to being with you this time next week. Have a wonderful Shabbat. Uh, and it is lovely when when uh, Sukkah begins on the Shabbat, as you know, in 2033, year 6,000, yeah, the 120th will begin on the Shabbat. God's planning is impeccable. Um, also, there will be a, uh, a full lunar eclipse. There will be uh, fireworks in the sky on uh, this day, just as on uh, Teruah uh, in 2033, there will be a total solar eclipse. So great fireworks in the sky as uh, we move towards uh, this day 10 years from now. Just 10 years from now, we celebrate the ultimate uh, sukkah. So it... It is uh, very close. It's sweet. We can almost uh, taste it. Um, so looking forward to that day, and yet I'm I'm uh, so um, fixated on how much there is left for us to do. Yep. So thank you for the social media. Thank you for working on the uh, the glossary, uh, Kirk. Uh, wish you all the best in your upcoming uh, art uh, show, and and with Dee with your uh, wonderful move and. Uh, I want to thank the Malak for continuing to keep us safe. This is now the yeah. fourth year where uh, there have where all hurricanes have been uh, diverted, and it is uh, nice to uh, live 
uh, under their protection. <laughs> Good night, sure. y'all. Happy Shabbat. Have a wonderful celebration of uh, Sukkah. Look forward to being with you next week. Good night. Thanks. Good night, Kirk. Good night, uh, Dean. See you later. <laughs>